in our story this morning, um, Jesus is walking along. He encounters two people that are walking along a road. This is three days after Jesus died, okay? And this is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And uh, these two people do not recognize Jesus. Honestly, if you'd gone to someone's funeral and then three days later saw them walking down the road, you probably wouldn't recognize them either. You would definitely think that wasn't the person that you just saw at their funeral. Okay, so here's, the, here's our uh, reading today from Luke chapter 24. I want you to listen to how Jesus interacts with these people who they don't know who he is. Okay? That very day, two of them, two of Jesus' followers, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Y'all ever walked seven miles before? It's a long way. Okay. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened with Jesus. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. He has looked sad. Then one of them named Cleopas. Anyone named Cleopas? No? Okay. Cooler if, you, if someone said yes. Answered him, Cleopas said, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them, What things? It's funny, intentionally. And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, how do you not know? A man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Any of y'all ever seen a vision of angels? Maybe, maybe yet. These are really random questions, you're right. I wish you had seen an angel too. Maybe we will still yet. I feel like I see an angel every day. Okay. Um, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not find. And he said to them, oh, foolish ones, and slow apart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going on that seven-mile walk. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Thanks for reading the scriptures together. You guys can go back to your seat. Thanks for answering those random questions, Bonnie. It was Georgia. It was Georgia. Sorry. I know my own children's names. 
usually. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege of opening it together now. Oh Lord, um, who you are is so often hid from our eyes. And we need you to be the one who reveals yourself to us. We are in desperate need of that. Not just because we can't see, but because we want to see you uh, in, your, in your beauty. And Lord, just as we said in our confession, Lord, I, I just pray that you would open my lips, open all of our ears so that we could hear your glory. We pray, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Okay, so obligatory talking about Disney World because I've done this before. Um, I love Disney World, as you know. If you don't know me, now you do. So um, being down in Florida, I was so happy to just be in the same state as Disney World when I was doing these talks. But what's great about Disney is that it's full of encounters. You can encounter all kinds of magical things. I know Vern just went and is feeling a little conflicted of heart, but it is uh, full of encounters. But it's particularly a place to encounter princesses. Okay? That is the chief encounter when it comes to Disney World. And if you want to know a little tip about going to Disney World and you want to have a great princess encounter, there is one thing that you must do, and that is that you must wear that princess's dress, okay? No matter who you are, you must wear that princess's dress. Because what will happen, especially if you are a little one wearing that princess's dress, is that when you encounter that princess, she will come to you, and she will stoop down to you, and she will say, invariably, I love your dress, which is a little narcissistic, potentially, from, the, from them. But that, my friends, is an encounter with a princess's love. You put on her dress, she will love your dress, and you will love her back. Um, scripture, in that way, is an encounter with God's love. When we put it on, when we enter into it, we begin to encounter God, who is love. And so what all I want to do in this passage with you this morning in this story is simply to walk through and observe Jesus with you. No matter what you think about Jesus, I want to observe together how he acts, what he does, and what he says. Because I think if we do that, what we'll find is a person who loves deeply. Everything that Jesus does and says reveals that this person loves deeply. First, let's look at what he doesn't say, okay, when he enters into this. He draws near to two people. We don't know who they are. One's name's Cleopas. This could be Cleopas's wife. This could be another guy, whoever, a follower of Jesus. They're walking this long road. If you grew up in Georgia or North Florida, you know what it's like to walk down a long, dusty road. And Jesus comes to them. They don't know who he is. And he begins to ask them questions. He initiates this conversation with them and asks them questions. They think that this guy is clueless, right? They must have, when he was like, what, what, what are you guys talking about? What, what, what are these things that have happened? They must be looking at each other like, this guy, who is this guy? This guy has no idea what's going on. It would be like saying to someone, how did you not feel that earthquake that happened last night? I've been through several small earthquakes and I'm somehow always the only one that didn't notice that it happened. Everyone's like, stuff was rattling. I felt it in my car. And I'm like, I didn't notice that at all. Jesus is like the one that, that to them, didn't feel the earthquake. 
and they intend to teach him, to tell him about these things, to reveal something to him. They're treating Jesus like he needs to encounter them in order to know what's going on. My favorite line from this passage um, is, uh, is in verse 19. Because Cleopas says, are you the only one that doesn't know about these things that happened? And Jesus said, what things? Now, it's important to remember and mention here that the Bible presents this Jesus as God, okay? As the most alien of aliens that could possibly, the one who made everything that exists, coming as a human being. So that means, if nothing else, that he already knows everything that's going on and definitely doesn't need to ask. He also doesn't need to walk a seven-mile road. He can just appear there, apparently. We find out later. But also, Jesus didn't need to ask because everything they're talking about happened to him. He was the one who had been betrayed. He was the one who had been beaten. He is the one who had been murdered and was dead the previous two days. This is the same day that Jesus was raised from the dead. Earlier that morning, he was in the tomb. And now he is alive. And now he's walking around with random people saying, what things? Tell me about these things. They're all confused, saying, like, these women went and saw that he wasn't there, and uh, we don't know what to make of that. And he's literally standing right in front of them, and he's listening to them. Now, for Jesus to be doing this and to be asking these questions, if it means anything, it means this. He was really curious about what they would say. How curious must Jesus have been to actually take the time to walk with them and say, tell me about what happened. He really wants to know what they would say. It's not like he doesn't know, but it's like he wants to hear it from them. Um, my kids, especially when they were really little, they used to pronounce some words very, very cutely, okay? So if you are around little kids, sometimes they just say words in like the most adorable possible way. And sometimes I would want them he to hear them say these cute words, and so I would just ask them, what is that animal? You know, it has the long neck, and it eats the, the leaves, and they're like, brontosaurus, no. Um, the, it eats, the, and they're like, oh, a bedraft. I'm like, yes, a bedraft. That's exactly what I was thinking about. Sometimes I want to I wanna know what my kids are feeling and what they're thinking, and so I just ask them about movie plots of movies that I've seen many times just so that they can tell me how this movie goes and what's so awesome about it, because they delight me. I am delighted in hearing how they say things and what they say. They're a delight. And what if Jesus is like that with you and with his people, that he is curious enough to ask questions just because he wants to hear other people say it? And what if Jesus is God. Therefore, that's what God is like to us. So we can see from what Jesus doesn't say how full of love he is and how full of curiosity he is. But then notice what he says. He lets them sort of work it out. And then um, 
And verse 25, then he, then he talks. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And then, now he says, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. After Jesus listens to them, he doesn't do a miracle. He doesn't make a big fireworks display. He doesn't even explain how he rose from the dead. He's like, man, y'all still aren't getting it, huh? It's almost like they looked at each other and they're like, this guy. It's like he looks at his father and he's like, these guys. (laughs) He starts talking to them about the Old Testament. He starts telling Bible stories from the Torah and explaining and, and, and like bringing life to these stories and saying, these stories are about Jesus. They're about the Messiah. They're about me. And he begins to unpack it to them. They have what they think they know. And they're going to tell Jesus. But they see nothing. They don't even know who's standing in front of them. God is standing with them and they don't No, they think that he's the only one who doesn't know what happened. But Jesus walks with them and shows them. He is the active agent. They are the recipients. He already loves them, already sees them, already knows them, has already lived and died and been raised to rescue them from death. And he stands before them. And they had no idea. Encountering God in Scripture actually begins when we move from mastering Scripture and interpreting Scripture to being mastered and interpreted by Scripture. And Jesus takes that posture with them, and that's when life begins to happen for them. Later, after this, after Jesus tells them all through Moses and the prophets all the things concerning himself, they're like, well, it's getting pretty late. They invite him to dinner, and at dinner, he's like, surprise! It's Jesus all along. It's like a Scooby-Doo episode. Um, They're like, I thought your voice sounded familiar. I like to think that later they were like, I knew it was him the whole time. And then he literally disappears. I mean, it would be like you had dinner with some stranger, and then they were like, surprise, it's David Bowie. And then he disappeared. And what, what do they marvel about? I mean, if that was you and it was David Bowie or Jesus, and then, they, and then that person disappeared, you would probably marvel about a lot of things and have a lot of questions and have a lot of, like, moments what do they marvel at? This is, this, is the, this is the point of all this hot air. Verse 32, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scripture? Has your, has your heart ever burned after meeting somebody? Um, when a princess told my daughter how beautiful her dress was, I'm pretty sure her heart burned. 
my heart was burning for sure. When you, enter, in, when you encounter someone and you would say later your heart burned within you, that's just another way of saying that you fell in love with that person. Jesus encountered these two followers of his, clueless as they were. He encountered them with the scripture and they fell in love with him. When you encounter God's love in scripture, he invites you to fall in love. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor in Germany um, during the time of the Nazis, who was ultimately killed for his faithful resistance to the Nazis, he said this, Christ did not come into the world that we might understand him, but that we might cling to him. That is where Jesus was taking these two on the road. Uh, this, this reminds me, we read a book last summer as a church called Everything Sad is Untrue by Daniel Nyeri. It's a great, great, great book. One of the best books I've ever read. Would highly recommend reading it. It's about a, a family from Iran uh, who become Christians and then have to flee. Uh, it's a great story. Um, we just listened to it together as a family. But Nyeri writes this. Here's an interesting question that I heard once in church. I wonder... <laughs> That's like an Instagram like comment thread. Like, tell me an, in an interesting question you heard in church. Um, I would shudder to read that. But here's an interesting question that I heard once in church. Can God create a mountain so big that he himself couldn't lift it? It's trying to put God in a corner because if he can or if he can't, he's not all powerful. It's like a gotcha question for God. Those are not good. But the question is silly. Because it assumes that God is as stupid as we are. If you're as big as God, there's no such thing as lifting. It's all just floating in a million universes you made. If you made an object of some insane, unusual size, then it'd still be a thing. And God is as big as everything at once and as small. Physical stuff is too simple. The better question is, can God create a law so big that he himself has to obey it? Is there an idea so big that God doesn't remember anything before it? That answer is love. Love is the object of unusual size. And it's that love that we encounter when God meets us in the Word. Because, y'all, Scripture is not a rule book, though it has rules in it. It's not a guide for life though certainly it can guide your life. It's not mythology, though it's full of the fantastical and magical. It's not a history book, although all this stuff actually happened. And it's not a book of wisdom, although it is wise and can make you wise. It's not even a book of religion. It is itself an encounter with God. And God is love. And if you want to know that's true, you can look it up in the Bible. And this is an encounter as we move to the table that God is very happy about. God wants to meet you in the Word. We often think that faith is very elusive. Only some of us get it. 
and that like God is hiding out in the darkness somewhere and that only some people find him because they're especially spiritual or especially smart or especially good. But God wants you to know him. He is not hiding. So here, here's, a, here's a bit of practice that I, that I want to invite you to do this week in light of this. Remembering that, that Scripture is an encounter with God's love. In the next three weeks, we're going to keep exploring how Scripture is an encounter with God. This week, I want to invite you to set aside 15 minutes, if you can. And I want you to find a song on the internet called House of God Forever by John Foreman. We sing it at church, so you might be familiar with it. It is the 23rd Psalm put to music. And here's what I want you to do. The sermon is over, by the way. This is just homework. I want you to put on House of God Forever, which is the 23rd Psalm. And I want you to sit quietly, and I want you to play it and listen to it. And then I want you to sit in silence for one minute. Then I want you to play it again and listen to it again. And this time as you listen, I want you to allow a word or a phrase or an idea from the 23rd Psalm, that's the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I want you just to allow it to rise up to you. Don't try and understand it, just allow something to rise to your heart from God's word and dwell on it and meditate on it during another moment of silence. And then I want to invite you to listen a third time. And this time as you listen and you're aware of this word that has come from God's word, I want you to meditate and consider how is God speaking to me in this word? What might God be asking you to consider? What is he inviting you to see about him, about you and others? And is he inviting you to change in some way? And that will be a first step for us this week in putting ourselves under the mastery of God's word. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Um, I'm so casual with it often, especially as one that is supposed to open it up with others. And yet, Lord, uh, when, when we come to be mastered by you, to encounter you, we find you full of love. And so I thank you for my sisters and brothers. I thank you that we get to gather around the word together. And I pray that you would meet each of us as we encounter your word throughout the rest of this service, and as we encounter you through your word for the rest of our lives. Show us your love, Lord Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen.